Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey everyone, J.J. Cooper, Teddy Cahill, Carlos Colazzo here, Baseball America Draft Podcast. We are able to talk draft here on a, uh, on a warm, it feels like actually, uh, it does feel like draft weather right now. It's uh, 70 here, it's going to be 30 tomorrow, <laughs> but yeah, it's going to, it's, it's a little crazy. But, but we're talking draft here in January because, as you probably know, go to BaseballAmerica.com and we've got the top 200 draft prospects up now. We, uh, we, we jumped ahead. We had the top 50 uh, college prospects. We had the top 50 high school prospects. Instead of just combining those into a top 100 this year, we're, we rolled out a top 200, which the crazy thing is is that we really could have pulled, we're, we're not going to do this, but we could have <laughs> put out a BA 500 in some way. It, yeah. it would not have been <laughs> completely as accurate as we want it to be, but we could have done a preseason BA 500. 900,000 names in the database right now. Um, with you know an, an insane amount of notes, but that's all a long lead-in to remind you that it is a great time to subscribe to Baseball America. Go to baseballamerica.com slash subscribe or slash store. Either one will get you there. And check it out. We've got the top 200 up. You know, By the time you listen to this, we'll have the to-do list for the guys that we currently project as first-round picks, kind of what they have to do to move up or to stay where they are, in the case of uh, Drew Brady Singer, number one, you can't move up anymore. I'm pretty happy about that. But what they have to do to do that, and it's a great time to subscribe to Baseball America because we got the top 200 up. We're going to have the college top 25 and all the top 25 previews and all the conference previews and the small college previews. And we're going to be done with the top 30, top 10s for all 30 teams by the end of next week. And we have the top 100 prospects coming up. <laughs> And we'll have org talent rankings. It's an insane time of year here at Baseball America. That was a very long preamble to, to get into this, but we're just going to dive in and start talking prospects. And Teddy, we'll start at number one, which basically uh, I feel like we're here every year. So this year at the top of the draft, this year, don't we judge. have a Florida pitcher <laughs> who could go 1-1. So we will start with, because we actually have two Florida pitchers in the top 10 who could go 1-1, but we'll pose it this way. A.J. Puck was kind of given this, you know, this possibility two years ago, and by the end of the year, he was their fourth or fifth best option at that point. Um, you know, last year, not nearly that, but Alex Fado came into the year considering a candidate to go 1-1. And he ended up actually pitching really well. Uh, he was the most dominant pitcher in the College World Series, led Florida to a national title, but did also hear his name called much later than he would have expected in the draft. Goes to the Tigers, I believe that was 19 overall? If I 17. 17. I always do that. 17 overall. So here we are, Brady Singer, and we throw in there, Jackson Coar is the number eight on this list. What has to happen this year? for a Florida pitcher to hear their name called, if not one, one, two, or three? Well, I would like to point out that um, 
if teams had a another shot at Puck or Fido, I, I think oh, I, yeah. they would uh, they would happily in the top five jump on them over uh, I don't know Mickey Moniak or Corey Ray. Or, I, I I would agree with you that basically it does seem like that there is a certain amount of familiarity that has worked against them. In yes. And, you know, I mean, we see this all the time that, you know, we, we pick apart the top level guys, the guy that comes into the, and, and this is true across all sports, um, the guy that is anointed uh, early number one favorite, NFL draft, Heisman, you know, Baseball America, preseason player of the year, whatever, they get picked apart a little bit more. So Brady Singer has to be ready for that. Um uh, he mostly just needs to tune that out and be consistent. What he's done is good enough at this point. And what Puck wasn't able to do, he had a very up-and-down season. He was just too inconsistent, at, ultimately, to be the number one pick. Fado uh, came out of the gate slowly, uh, and I feel like people did not... He, he'd had uh, double knee surgery in the offseason. Mm-hmm. He had, didn't really have a fall ball. And I don't think teams truly understood how much that may have affected him. Because the way he was pitching at the end of the year was the way that everyone I, expected him to be pitching. They just thought that that would happen on February, you know, in the middle of February, not at the and, end of the and year. I, and I do think this is one of those things where his basically return, not that he did not pitch well at times during the regular season, but the point at which Alex Fado became, not became, Return to being Alex Fado, unhittable, front of the rotation, Gators ace. Happened to be, I feel like, at the exact same time that most teams kind of largely finalized their draft boards. Well, it, like, so he had a poor start the final weekend of the regular season against Kentucky. He goes into the SEC tournament and he shoved in his start. That start happened to be pretty late at night. A lot of people were still there because right. it was it was him. It was the SEC tournament. But when you're doing it on Memorial Day weekend, that's a little late. And I don't know, I don't remember who was there, who wasn't there in terms of teams. But you know, at that point, you can't run anyone back in to see him. Like what you had is what you had, and you know, ultimately, what we have is him falling to 17. So what Singer needs to do is not have a slow start, not be inconsistent, just be the pitcher he was all of last year. And, you know, that track record um, is strong. His track record in high school was very strong. You know, he is an unsigned second rounder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's mostly just be consi- be the consistent pitcher you've been, stay healthy, you know, keep uh, keep taking the ball and, and, and going out there and being the kind of ace that you can be. And, you know, at the end of this you know, you have a, a really good chance to wind up as, if not the number one pick, but certainly that's that's a definite possibility, but also, you know, just somewhere in the top three. Okay. And now, is there a possibility, uh, assuming, again, we're not talking about, there's obviously possibilities if someone gets hurt and anything, we're not talking about that. Is there a possibility both him and Jackson Coar go out there and have good seasons, but at the end of this season when we're talking about this, we're saying, no, I think Coar could go higher. You know, I think there are going to be some teams that have him on the board higher. I don't think it's going to happen, though, because what he he doesn't have the track record Sainer has. If you throw Coar's stats up from last year, they're not... Like, Brady Sainer was clearly 
you know, if, if it hadn't been for Fado, he would have been the CWS most outstanding player. Mm-hmm. Jackson Coar was very good. Uh, his strikeout rate was not Singer's strikeout rate. Um, his walk rate, while good, was not quite on where, where you'd want it to be. Uh, his stuff's outstanding. He maybe isn't built quite the, as well. Like, he's a little little slighter. Uh, his, some people are going to question uh, Sinner's arm action or his angle. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen. Coar uh, a little more conventional from that aspect. His medical, uh, you know, Sinner's had some, you know, lingering concerns at various times. Never actually been hurt, but there have been... Right. That's one. That's one of the reasons he. That that is believed to be one of the reasons. No one has ever actually said that, uh, but that is believed to be what broke down with the Blue Jays. But again, nothing has ever happened there. Uh, whereas Coar has twice had a collapsed lung, and it's a very strange injury that I don't think that you know. When I've asked people this fall, they don't really know how they're handling it yet. They haven't really had time to study the medical. Because that's not... We, we know how to it's deal not, with elbows. We know how to deal with right. shoulders. We know how to deal with knees. I'd even throw ankles in there. Sure. It's just but not we don't a, have a track record yeah. of collapsed lungs no, to know what... It's not a baseball injury. And, you know, so I... Maybe it means nothing. Maybe it means something. I don't know. And I my sense is the teams aren't quite sure yet either because they haven't really been able to dig in on the medicals yet. Um, so all of that, I think, is working against Coar getting ahead of Senior, but like I, I just feel like m- people are going to be more com- more people are going to be more comfortable the higher up you go in the scouting department into the front office executives, they're going to be more comfortable with Singer, and that's what you have to do at the top of the draft. So, Carlos, we also sit here. Ethan Hankins is number two, so we have a high school right-hander number two. As we know, there is a uh, a now long-running precedent, 50-plus years, high school right-handers don't go 1-1. Mm-hmm. You know, we also have uh, we have a, a high school lefty, Matt Libertor, Matthew Libertor, in the top 10. We have Bryce Trank. We have Nolan Gorman. But let me ask you, so if a high school player is going to end up going 1-1, who do you think could be that guy and why? Right now, for me, I think it's a it's a group of three players. Uh, you mentioned the first one. Ethan Hankins is number two for us. His fastball just puts him on another level. When you talk about the combination of velocity, he's been up to 97, 98, routinely sits in the low to mid-90s. Movement, life, this might be the liveliest fastball in the entire class and command of that fastball. The, the way he spots this pitch inside, outside, to righties and lefties while throwing it as hard as he throws it is extremely impressive. Uh, and speak to his athleticism. Uh, I was a little concerned that that he wouldn't have the secondaries needed to kind of crack that 1-1 curse for a right-handed pitcher out of high school. Uh, but it sounds like teams really, really love that fastball, and he did take some steps with the breaking ball in the fall and near the end of the summer season. So he could, if he continues to develop that breaking ball, uh, he's tinkered with a slider in the past, and some guys think his arm slot is better for that pitch. So it'll be interesting to see what he does with his secondaries, but he's the first guy I would think of. Uh, the second guy is Matt Libertor, as you mentioned. He's uh, nine right now on our list, uh, but he he's a guy who could easily jump because he's uber projectable, a great body, six foot five, with a lot of weight he can add. Uh, he was low 90s in the upper 80s with his fastball, but he has excellent 
control of and, a curveball changeup. And change if that, up. I mean, yeah. that's really that's if the that big picks thing up. with him. If he takes a jump in velocity this spring and everything else looks the same, I mean, he's going to be in the top five picks. Teams love this guy; they really like him. He's got a great mentality on the mound. Really understands what he's doing up there. Uh, and when you get a Extremely lefty that's throwing that hard age, with yeah. a curveball that he can spot, a changeup that he can spot, potentially three plus pitches if that fastball takes a jump, he could easily go one one in my mind. Uh, the third guy is is not a pitcher, is Nolan Gorman. Um, he's actually behind Bryce Terang right now, but I think he's probably got a higher ceiling at least. Right, at this I think point I kind of feel like with Terang, yeah. that's about as high. We have him right now at five. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of hard to envision what he could do to climb much higher than that because yeah. the limitations for him are more physical. Exactly. I think it's a case uh, people bring up Mickey Moniak a lot with Bryce Terang just because they are very uh, similar, at least physically. Uh, Terang has an edge on Moniak who did go 1-1 because he's a shortstop and, and most people believe he can stick in the dirt. Uh, but he didn't, and I think this goes to what Teddy was saying earlier about guys who have been at the top and have kind of been hyped up for a mm-hmm. while. They get nit- nitpicked a little bit. Terang had a really solid summer, uh, but it wasn't world-beating, and he never looked like he was the best player on the field consistently, as most people kind of expected. Uh, and I think he got maybe nitpicked a little bit too much, but I don't think he's going to fall. Uh, he didn't have a bad summer by any means. He does everything really well. He's a double-plus runner. He plays shortstop extremely smoothly. Uh, I think the big question with him is really the impact that he's going to have, if he can come out a little bit more physical this spring and produce. you just got to produce the whole spring. Uh, and show off the arm a little bit more. I think that's maybe another thing you can nitpick with Terang. But what, but so with Gorman, yeah. what would do? What would what would he have to do? To uh, Gorman, of- so it's going to be tough for him because he's not going to face the pitching that maybe you'd like to see uh, when when scouts are trying to get a good feel for a hit tool. Nolan Gorman probably showed the most uh, power in game against quality pitching this summer into the fall, uh, but he also struggled at times uh, with some swing and miss. I know during the the World Cup, the U.S. the U.S.'s gold medal winning team, he really struggled. I think he had one of the lower averages on the team, uh, and you kind of saw him get out of his own head there. Uh, but you look a couple weeks before that, and he looked like the best hitter in the class during their warm-up games. Um, so I think he needs to just show that his swing path is consistent, his timing is right, he doesn't expand the, expand the zone too much. Um, but he's really not going to face some of the elite competition that you'd want to see to really put more confidence in your hit tool. But I also think he showed enough of, of that power in-game against good pitchers at times last summer to really have him be able to jump up there. He so, also can play third. Which doesn't, does yeah. not hurt in any way, shape, or form. Um, the, the next two pitchers we have on this list. So Shane McClanahan, top lefty in the, in the class right now. And then you have Casey Mize, who I don't want to shortchange him, but really the summation of Casey Mize beyond everything else is, is that, and I don't even know like how much of this can he overcome in the space of five months, but scouts like him. They just want to see him out there healthy. He doesn't even need to do anything. Just take the ball every seventh right. day. Like, period. Like, that... They they are so far in on him as is that like the fact that he missed the summer didn't matter the fact that he missed some time last year more, didn't but that, matter but that summer has become more of if you're the, the well top it's not it's the, not that like Singer sat the summer Coar sat the summer that's different Mize tried to go to Team USA made like one start and then had to shut it down and that was on after he had missed I think it was three weeks with Auburn this right. spring so like. 
if he had just said, nope, I'm done after Auburn Which lost Which may have been not a bad idea for him to. Then, yeah, but I think that he wanted to go out and prove that he was, like, I, I think he wanted that because there was mm-hmm. some, like, whoa, you know, he had to sit. Like, but yeah, it, it, it's different if you sit the summer versus if you start the summer and then and, have to go home. Uh, so people are just interested to see, can he stay healthy? That That's the question for him. The stuff is real. Um, you know, he... He more than Coar for me is the 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 college pitcher other than Sinner that would could go one one. Um, he's got a huge arm, racks up an incredible number of strikeouts, but he's got to prove that that he can be healthy. He had the best strikeout to walk ratio of any Division One pitcher last year, like twelve strikeouts per each walk. I mean that led Division One pitchers. It's really impressive. I mean he was a huge part of the reason Auburn was good last year, and they need him to be good again. Uh, for them this year and and you know I mean you look at McClanahan it's some somewhat the same deal uh just stay healthy you know he TJ had a healthy and, yeah. he had a healthy year last year but he had Tommy John surgery and he missed his freshman year uh so he's a, just a redshirt sophomore this year which maybe gives him a little more leverage um you know if if that if it comes to that um but but that's a guy that you know again he didn't do anything this summer and you know that's totally fine you're just coming off of Tommy John but you know now when the the heat's going to be on you you, they really need to, to see what he's got and um, you know the pressure not only from the draft but again also from a, just a winning perspective is going to be on him. Uh, so how he handles all of that is, is going to be big. The other thing that does stand out with this right now is we, this is a very good draft class. I think we all agree that this is a you know the high school class is, is deep. The college side, there is a, a very large number of interesting pitchers, a lot of whom, as you said, have some track record already, have had success here. And, you know, they've had track record, they've had success, and they also have control in a lot of cases, which a lot of times when we're talking about guys heading into their junior year, that's the, the, the missing uh, piece. But the thing that does jump out here for both you guys is, is okay, who are the college bats going to be? There's all we know. We know every year when the draft comes around, college bats are going to go high because those are, you know, that's buying the Amazon, that's buying the Apple stock where it's just, you know, you, you feel very comfortable about what you're getting. But what stands out in this class right now is, is that the guys who are the best college position players in this draft class either face limitations that are kind of, they're stuck with, you know, that they're kind of, that's who they are, or there's enough questions about them that they are not sitting at the top of this class right now. So I guess we'll start, Teddy, you're the college guy, I'll start with you, but Carlos, I want you to try to mm-hmm. chime in too, but who do you think when dust clears, or is this, is this one of those years where the dust, it's going to have to be someone who really comes from uh, off the board? No, I mean, there are bats here. Um, there are just a lot of questions with these bats. Uh, I'll let Carlos tell you how much he loves Nick Madrigal, <laughs> but you know, I mean, there's a real there there are real concerns here, and especially now that he's probably just going to be playing second base this spring again. Um, you know, he's listed at five seven one sixty. Mm-hmm. Who is drafting a five? How are you going to? If you have a top ten pick, you have to bring in a GM to see him, and your GM is going to come in, and you have to convince him that this five seven one sixty pound kid is a good use of your top 10 pick. And he does an incredible number of things really well, but he also does not in any way look like what top 10 picks look like. And even in a world where Jose Altuve is your MVP and Dustin Pedroia 
and you you can run down several other smaller guys. But those were all thick smaller guys. They are they are all thick smaller guys, and but they are still rare. Like that, ultimately, they are still rare, and that's part of what makes Jose Altuve fun is that there's no one that you looks put him next like to Aaron Judge, and right. you're like, well, yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, so there, there's going to be questions there. Some of these other really good, uh, you know, college hitters are corner guys. Um, you know, Griffin Conine is a corner guy now at Duke. Grayson Janista can play center field at Wichita State, but there's not a ton of people convinced that he's, you know, going to be able to stay in center field as a pro. Uh, you look further down, uh, you know, Luke we'll, get Baker, we'll get Seth to we'll get to we'll get to those. I'm asking you guys, very corner guys, and, and Alec Bohm, uh, you know, even Steel Walker, uh, yeah, smaller, yeah, Alec Bohm, Janista's teammate, Steel Walker at Oklahoma. I mean, he's going to play center field, but he didn't play center field for Team USA. And Tristan is, he Pompey a te- faces. is he a tweener? Pompey, the same thing. Is he a tweener? So, some somebody is going to answer the question: Are they a tween? Like, do, can Jeremy I, Ironman? Is he where's he in the right. playing? Can I play in the middle? And then that guy will shoot up, or some for the the middle guys already, uh, you know, like Swaggerty and Ironman. Like Ironman, can can he stay at shortstop? Swaggerty, um, you know, how much impact do, is he really going to provide? So there are just a lot of questions about these guys. There are enough of them. There's plenty of inventory here. It's just a matter of who has the year that they need to have, and then you know how high are you comfortable taking somebody like that? Okay, Nick Madrigal. Yeah, Nick Madrigal. For me, this one's interesting because I first saw him. I always say this too. I saw him uh, in 2014 at the Tournament of Stars uh, when he was in high school, and he stood out to me uh, more than anything for his defensive uh, skills. He had the quickest hands I've ever seen, uh, and so right now, one of the biggest questions with Madrigal, aside from his size, is uh, where he is defensively because. For him, he's playing with Caden Grenier, who's one of the best shortstops in the class as well, and he got moved to second base last season. And there are a lot of questions about uh, how well he can throw the ball. I know he had a, a, a small stretch last season where he struggled with that, so he's going to have to answer that. Teams, if you can, if you believe that Madrigal is a shortstop uh, more than a second baseman, that improves your confidence with him. I think he can do that, so I'm a little higher on him just defensively because I saw it when he was younger. Um, but also, he, he hit... He has hit way better than I thought he was going to hit when he was in high school, so I think I'm just a little bit higher on Madrigal than maybe some other people are. Um, there are definitely are teams that are just not going to have him up on their board that high just because of his size. So it's a smaller pool of teams that are going to be picking him up that high, but I think he has enough track record, enough defensive ability, running ability to kind of make it work. Now, that leads to the question that it's interesting. We've already got it on Twitter. Figured we would. Okay. <laughs> So Seth Beer and Luke and Baker back to back here 34-35. And the, I think that there are I, I there are there has been a misunderstanding or um, again, and I'm not I'm not knocking fans, but it's like there was you know there It was, happens in every sport. Right. Like people think Lamar Jackson is like the, I'm sure there are people out there that think he should be the number one NFL pick. Right. But but you know what was the uh, the the Brewers the uh, the tank for beer? What was it? Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know there it's was funny. like you know like basically this thought of that you know you were trying to get the first pick in the 2018 draft to get Seth Beer. Seth Beer, let's make it clear, his first two years at Clemson have been really good. You know, there's no there's no question of that, and his freshman year was especially his ex- freshman year exceptional. Mm-hmm. That being said. He's sitting here at 34 because, A, there is, 
if you're a National League team and you're drafting, you do not know where you can play him. Is that a fair fair statement? I think that's more fair to say for Baker than for Beer. I, it's first base. They're bad first basemen in the big leagues, and but I, I think the reason he's a 34 is that he hasn't hit with Wood mm-hmm. for three straight summers yep. now. His two summers with Team USA have been disappointing. The summer before, which was theoretically going into his senior year of high school, right. ultimately he, he leaves class, early. Right. Yeah. That was a disappointment. Scouts were not super bearing down on him because he wasn't going to be in that class. Uh, but by all accounts, it was disappointing. So you have this wood bat question. Like, how well is he going to hit with wood? You then have this major question about his athleticism. How athletic is he really? And, you know, he's going to have to be a first baseman in pro ball. He, he's not an outfielder uh, at this point. His, his run times are, I mean... And he, he has spent the... He spent, he spent the fall working hard to get better. We'll see how that all plays. But that's a, that's a big question right now. And then the biggest thing for me with both of them is that in the last few years, we've seen incredibly talented college power first baseman in Brent Rooker and A.J. Reed. Neither one of them was a first rounder. Brent Rooker won the SEC Triple Crown. You he can't did, have a better season. He did everything you wanted him to do as a hitter. Not a first rounder. AJ Reed, two way player, you know, Golden Spikes winner. Everything you'd want. And you can even say like, well, maybe when he stops pitching, it'll get even better. <laughs> Not a first rounder. And so that's what these guys are fighting against. And right, what you're saying is statistically, like when you talk about Seth Beer or Luke and Baker. Statistically, it's hard to imagine them having a better season than Brent Rooker had last year. Now, Rooker, they would have a longer track record a little bit, mm-hmm. but they can't have a. I mean, that season is as good as you're going to have. Yeah. And you, as you said, now maybe he got he went later than he should have in the draft. In Rooker's case, we'll see. He did go out and then have 18 home runs <laughs> in his pro debut in a half season. And AJ Ray shot through the minors. Yeah. The major league career hasn't developed yet, but he did shoot through the minors. I mean, there's something to be said for this, but there's also a reason why those players are going where they're going. Now, with Luke and Baker, the other thing with Luke and Baker is, as you said about defensive questions with him, what he has also, you know, that different from Beer, is that there's more questions as far as health, all that. Well, him. his health issues, because uh, he was banged up. Uh, you know, he, he didn't pitch last year. He, he didn't pitch. That That's not the bigger health issue, though. The, the bigger one is the one that kept him out for the final six weeks of the season, kept him at home for the summer and all the rest of that. So, you know, no one was able to see him last year uh, over the summer. But, you know, he, Beer at least played the outfield, albeit poorly, for a year, and, and part mm-hmm. of last year, too. Um Lucan has never played outside the dirt. So you're already like Beer is descending on the, the defensive spectrum. Baker's already where, where, where he's at, and he's bigger than Seth Beer is anyway. So even if, like, it's hard to imagine him getting into a, a position where he could somehow play left field, like, maybe you can convince yourself that, that you can get Seth Beer to that. Hey, spot. Matt Kemp has played the outfield for a long time. There are bad left fielders in the big <laughs> but, leagues. But Matt Kemp, Matt Kemp was... <laughs> he started Matt at Kemp center field. At that age, we're talking about their, yeah. this age, Matt Kemp was an athlete. Yeah. yeah. And so, true. I, like, but, but Baker's already at the 
bottom of the defensive spectrum. So that, that's the that's why I say maybe it's a bigger question with him than it is with with Beer. But I mean, neither one of them is is you know, they both might be better suited as DHs. Mm. It's possible. And that's again the reality of it is is that we're not talking about a one year track record here. Year after year, players of that description. Peter Alonso, second rounder. Um, now maybe the Mets' top prospect, but second rounder. It, it, it just happens. McKay, as a first baseman only, is not the sixth overall pick in the draft. He might be a first rounder, but he's not the sixth overall pick. Right, and that's, that is the thing. That is the consistently, consistently year after year after year. So uh, we could go on for literally hours here, but, uh, I, but let's do it this way so that we don't go on for hours. Carlos, give me a guy who's not in the first round here who you are fascinated by, think has a chance to really do a lot to help themselves over the next. We're going to have, you know, essentially players have, I mean, this is, we wrote it at the top of this for the top 200. This is not chiseled mm-hmm. in. This is oh yeah, the high school class especially is going to look so different. I'm sure five months from now, just right. because this is so a starting yeah. point, not where it will finish. We know that. We're not saying anything other than that. We know that right now teams don't have top 200 boards right now. Mm-hmm. You know that's not what teams do at this point. But who is someone that you look at this and say, when this is all said and done? Wouldn't surprise me to see him climb a lot. The easiest one for me, and I know people are probably going to recognize his name, is Joe Gray, uh, just because he's a guy who, who might be one of the more toolsy high school outfielders in this class, and he had a down summer. Um, he's from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, doesn't face a lot of top pitching. And really, this summer you could tell that he doesn't see that a lot. He struggled against some of the best pitchers in this high school class. But the thing with Joe is during this fall, uh, he really started to make adjustments. He had a good Jupiter, showed more uh, bat-to-ball skills at the plate. Um, so he's a guy who I think teams are going to be interested in uh, already despite his down summer just because he's got the tools. He's got a strong arm. He's got some power. He might be able to play center field, can run. Um, but if he goes out and just crushes uh, the opposing pitchers in Hattiesburg this spring, and it's going to be tough because, like I said, he's not going to be facing those elite pitchers. It's going to be tough for him. But, like, Joe Adele is a guy I always bring mm-hmm. up with Joe Gray. Uh, Joe Adele is a guy who had those hit tool questions, and he went out and just destroyed Destroyed. everything. Um, Was almost a player of the year for us just because of that. So if Joe and also never struck out, exactly was Kentucky, but never struck out. So if Joe does that, he's definitely got a chance to shoot up into the first round. He's not too far out of it right now. Another guy who's a high school outfielder is Connor Scott. Uh, He's a little bit further down. Uh, He's not too far. He's right in that same range, but he's a guy who was injured this summer. Um, so he's he's got a really good bat. He actually can get on the mound as a lefty and throw. Like I was going to say when we talk about injury, it always makes me yeah. flash back to Austin back because a year ago at this time. And he didn't get a ton of looks just because he wasn't playing a lot. But he's got a really good hit tool. He gets the Kyle Tucker comparisons, uh, and he's in Florida, so he's got a chance to go up against some of those good those good pitchers and show that he can do it against the best. So those are two that kind of jump out to me. Teddy, what about for you? Who's a guy who? Well, I'm going to take the easy way out and tell you about some injured college pitchers. Um, that was a good. That's a good. That is a good demographic to choose for this. So Tristan Beck uh, <laughs> was projected as a first rounder last year as a draft eligible sophomore. He wound up not pitching um, due to injury. He is back on the mound, uh, and there was a video uh, posted uh, a couple weeks ago from from his high school and. 
Uh, his high school coach said that he's better than ever. Shout out to Corona. So yeah, uh, you know, yeah, the Corona High out there in California. If Beck is actually better, uh, like his freshman year was incredible. If he is better, he is going to absolutely go in the first round. Um, you know, there were teams that were were very interested in taking him last year. Um, so he is he is a guy that just go out, show you're healthy. Honestly, he doesn't have to be better than he was. Just do your freshman year again, this time as a redshirt sophomore, and um, you know that's a, that, that's a guy that looks like a first-rounder. And then Isaiah Campbell at Arkansas. Uh, he didn't pitch as much his freshman year. He went out uh, that summer, went to the Cal Collegiate League, really impressed some people out there, uh, came back, had a really good fall, had people talking about him as a potential first-rounder um, in 18. And then he uh, you know, had some bone spurs that he just couldn't shake, ultimately had surgery on through like a third of an inning. Last year was all. Um, he is now healthy. He's going to go out, touch 97. Um, you know, He's a really big part of why I think Arkansas is going to be really good this year. And if he has the year that people are expecting, um, you know, that's a guy that can, can make the jump into the first round as well. And that's the thing is, is you, you wrote about this in the intro for this. There are also guys who, there's going to be someone who's not on this top 200 right now mm-hmm. who ends up going in the top 50 picks. We yep. know that because that's the great thing about that's why there are still five months of yep. games, four and a half months of games ahead of us. Last year it was Michael Mercado. He wasn't in the, the first top 100 we did in March, and he ends up going in the second round to the race. So those guys are going to pop up. And it's, that's why, honestly, it's, it's fun to have it out this early just so we can see kind of how the landscape shifts. Uh, we're definitely going to get guys wrong. And there's, wrong and there's year, also going to be guys. The other thing is is there will be someone in our top 50 right now. Mm-hmm. There's probably someone in the top 50 who, when it's all said and done, either will not be drafted or will be drafted on day three yeah. in a, okay, well, you know, cut yeah. because. I, Any of these pitchers get injured? There you go. These high school guys especially. Right. Then they're going to college. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it, it is something where there is so much, so much ahead. You know, we will be talking, uh, again, we've got the, the college preview is going to be rolling out real soon. And there's a ton of fascinating stuff for us to dive into there. Uh, you know, there's, on the high school side, there's so much left, you know, ahead. Because, again, what, right now what has happened is you talk, but summer is huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a good way for the, us to wrap this up. But summer is important. Especially right now, because that's what that that's what's freshest in everyone's mind. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't do something this summer, it's a little out of sight, out of mind. But there's plenty of time for you to to get back in everyone's mm-hmm. minds. Right, summer's important, but in the end, we just talked. We talked. We led this off by talking about this. And sometimes maybe what happens, I, I do think that there is a a natural bias, an unavoidable one, but one that we should be aware of, which is is you talk about it with an AJ Puck or especially with an Alex Tato where what you've seen, it is kind of, if you think about it, it is kind of silly in some ways that a pitcher who goes out and has a really good outing in the final, you know, at the SEC tournament or a bad one or the weeks leading up to that can make a significant difference where a player goes. Because if you really think about it, that is a, an emphasis that is never put on them at any other point in their career, mm-hmm. you know, it's something where we never talk about that, you know, if, if talk about our top pitching prospects, if Walker Bueller goes out and has a bad outing, 
you know, in June, we never say, well, that raises questions about Walker Bueller. <laughs> but we do this. I mean, not when I say we. I mean, as an industry, that is something that is done. Is is like he's had back to back bad starts. He's not locating a slider. It's like, well, that does happen. You know, like we do need to look at the great thing with co- one of the things that makes a, a college player valuable is is you have this track record. Now you don't want to go overboard on it because again, you know. It, We've seen many examples of a guy who was good as a freshman and then he's not very good as a sophomore or junior. And no, the, 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 the bad junior year is a good indication that he's not as good as we once all thought and hoped he would be. But, but it is something where we have a lot, there's a lot of track record already in on these guys, but there's a lot more to be said. And that's where it's going to be fun because <laughs> we've got a lot of baseball to watch over the next uh, five months oh, yeah can't wait you know it will be fun but we do want to remind you again we thank you for the download we do want to remind you that great time to subscribe to baseball america you can get an online subscription for uh for less than six dollars a month if you do a year-long subscription uh so it is inexpensive to get a massive and we do mean massive amount of content and if you and do JJ's this, just talking about a small college preview. <laughs> yes, the small college preview is a massive amount of content on its own. Thank you all the small college, uh, or the I wouldn't even say small college, all the D2, D3, NAIA, and junior <laughs> college coaches with which I am talking, and I'm having a whole a, a blast doing that. But we do want to remind you, you know, baseballamerica.com slash store. And not only that, but when you do that, you are supporting us doing this. So we thank you for that. For Carlos Colazzo, for Teddy Cahill, I'm J.J. Cooper. So long, everybody. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.